Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. Hello, and welcome to Own Your Truth with Laura T. I'm so excited to be back for another episode. Today, I'm going to talk about the power of words during COVID and beyond. As someone who studies human behavior, I've been observing how people are showing up and the language that they're using, even myself included. Uh, During the past few months, uh, as a coach, I have to be honest, it's been frustrating to hear how people have been talking, and I've so desperately wanted to help, but I haven't quite known how. So I guess for right now, this is my how. I want to share what I know about the power of words and how our brains work. My goal is to help you think differently. So collectively, we could think toward what we want instead of where we are, and we can move past stuck toward progress. You see, when we're young, no one teaches us the power of language. And as a result, we grow up using words carelessly. We tend to apply gross general statements like everyone, everything, all, nothing to individual situations. We create and share strong stories around situations before we consider our own bias filter. And we make statements of truth, I have my air quotes, that tend to be based more on opinion than fact. To prove my point, I'm about to do the last one right now. I'm about to make a statement of truth that is clearly created through my filter of the world. Despite the fact that what I'm about to share with you is strongly based in research I've read or work I've done directly with people, the truth is all of the information that I'm sharing comes through my filters and biases, and they're a direct reflection of the work that I do. Now, obviously, I think this could help, but I'm sure that other people sharing their words in their language think at the moment it can help as well. And we're going to see that as we talk about, especially COVID. But I'm confident that there is someone out there somewhere who could debunk everything I'm about to say. And the point that I want to make is that it doesn't make the information any less true for me because what I'm going to share is based on my experiences. And again, essentially, they're my opinion. It's important to remember everything you do and say is merely an opinion based on your experience. Once we own our power in that way, it's easy to accept other people's opinions and their language, and it's easier to prevent others who disagree with us from taking away our power. So let's dive in. The impact of language we use is everything. I gotta say it again, it is everything. It defines our experience. Okay, there's part of a brain called the reticular activating system. They call it the RAS for short. This little thing acts as a filter for the information that we let into our brains every day. Without it, we would literally go crazy because we get so much information coming at us I mean, to give you uh, just an an idea of how much we get, the last study that was done in 2011 showed we received the equivalent of 174 newspapers of information each day. In 2011, that was nine years ago. The use of uh, smart devices and um, 24-7 technology has increased so much since then 
I can't even imagine what that number is. So this RAS acts as the filter. So add to our filters the artifact official filters being created by our smart devices, right? Those algorithms that are used by Facebook and Twitter and all the other, you know, um, online social media apps that we use. The fact that they're always listening. It's easy to see how the language we use curates the life that we live. There is no more powerful example of the power of language than on our current experience with COVID-19. So powerful is the language used around this pandemic that the Oxford English Dictionary wrote an article on it. They called it Social Change and Linguistic Change, the Language of COVID-19. The article says, as the spread of the disease has altered the lives of billions of people, it is correspondingly ushered in a new vocabulary to the general populace, encompassing specialist terms from the fields of epidemiology and medicine, new acronyms, and words to express the social imperatives of imposed isolation and distancing. There's a whole new language being created around an experience that we have, and therefore defining the experience that we're creating. Every day, people are now using epidemiology and medical terms that we couldn't possibly understand at an expert level, and yet we use them and spread this information like we're specialists. And again, this is an area when I say we, I'm including myself in that group. Listen, I'm like you guys. When I find information online that I think will be helpful, I research the source, and if I deem it's credible, by my standards, I share it. Now, I'm going to repeat that. If I deem it credible by my standards, which are not expert in the area of disease, it just simply means the information's interesting to me, but I have no way of knowing if it's medically accurate. And I spread it anyway, right? And so there is often good intention with the language and information we're sharing, but we're not consciously thinking about the long-term outcome of that. So you add to this the language used by politicians in the media, and suddenly we are at war with COVID-19. Think about the power of that message, which has been repeated over and over and over, online, on TV, on the radio, you name it, you hear it, we are at war. Headlines in the Washington Post read, other countries are winning against the virus. The CDC director warned the long war ahead. I mean, it was used everywhere. Now, personally, I'm not sure how we can be at war with the virus, but the use of that language <laughs> doesn't mean it's accurate. It was used because it was powerful. Although the war metaphor is known to help inform and motivate the public in the short term, it is also well-documented to mislead policymakers and the public when it comes to long-term solutions. Let's look at some of the past wars, I have my air quotes, that we've been involved in. War on terror, war on drugs, war on poverty, war on crime, war on cancer. We've also been involved in trade wars, and custom wars. I'm not sure we can say we won any of these wars. So what compels us to use this language? Well, I had to do a little bit of research on it. 
Um, CNN put out a really great article in April about the benefits and drawbacks of the war analogy related to this global pandemic. So some of the benefits include the fact that it unifies and mobilizes people into immediate action, right? Which is so true. When they needed people to stay home, this was a great analogy to use. It also explains complicated ideas in simple terms. I mean, here we have a very complicated virus that when you put it into war terms, people can relate to it. And it has the power to unite people against a common enemy. And so again, this idea that we bring people together with this common language. So it kind of makes sense that they would use war. And yet, what are some of the drawbacks? Well, the article also highlights how war analogies often um, have negative impacts. Number one is it often has countries thinking of themselves instead of the global good. You know, at the time of the article, the World Health Organization advised against closing any country's borders, citing that it is ineffective in most health emergency situations. And yet countries did it anyway. Another challenge is the war analogy makes it seem like the virus is something that, be, that can be controlled. Well, obviously, that's not the case here. The virus can't be controlled. Instead, it can be identified and contained. But that's not control. The other problem with warlike language is that it often leads to short-term solutions that don't address the long-term problem and prevent situ situations like this from happening again. Let's look at the idea of shutting down the country, right? So in the beginning, it made total sense. The goal was to flatten the curve. So when, not if, there was a breakout, it could be identified, contained, and traced. And we didn't want to inundate our healthcare system. Instead, this warlike language brought into play the idea of winning and losing. And if you had any cases, you were losing. Not if you reduced the number of cases, not if you isolated the cases, not if you didn't inundate the healthcare system, which was the initial intention of the shutdown. This new winning became defined as zero cases, which is not sustainable long-term. And so it's impacted how we have, how we've responded and how we're looking at future incidences. So what language could have been used around COVID for people to understand the urgency, but not be misguided by the war analogy? Well, I turned to our friends in New Zealand. You know, the language that they used was really powerful. They used unite against COVID. And the prime minister often referred to her fellow Kiwis as a team of 5 million. This helped the country focus on science and empathy. And it goes to show that there are powerfully positive ways to reach the same result when we're careful about the language we use. The coronavirus is a global example of the impact of language. But even more influential are the words that we use to ourselves on a daily basis. And this is why I wanted to start with COVID, but then talk about beyond, because the power of language impacts us every day. The words we use nonchalantly now dramatically impact our future, and we don't even know it. Let me share an example. 
I was talking with a client who has been out of work for six months, and so understandably, finances are tight. Despite landing a new job two months ago, she described her financial situation as a downward trajectory. She went on to say, I'm talking, you know, we can't even save a dollar per month. And I had to stop her and ask, is that true? Is there no possible way you can save $1 per month? And she quickly backtracked and was like, no, 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 we can save a dollar per month, but you know, that's not really gonna do much for us. And I said, that's fascinating that you think that way. Let's explore that a little bit. Now that piece I'm gonna talk about a little bit more, how we explored it, I'm gonna talk about a little bit more in a minute. I wanna to get to this idea that she's not alone in her thinking, especially in the outlook on money. The language we use around a situation, whether it be negative or positive, is often more extreme than the actual situation itself. The challenge is when we fall into the habit, especially in a negative situation, that repeating the language makes a strong connection in our brain to the point where we create a self-fulfilling prophecy. We actually create the thing that we don't want. Let me explain. If you were to draw two circles on a piece of paper and draw a straight line from one to another, that's the connection your brain makes between words. And you have to keep in mind that our brain is a connection-making machine. So I'm even going to ask you, if you're at a desk or you're anywhere you can grab a piece of paper, draw two circles on the piece of paper a little distance away from each other, and then draw a straight line between them. The more that you repeat the statement, the stronger that connection becomes and ultimately turns into habits. Habits in our thinking, habits in our actions, and habits in our meaning making going forward. So let's use my client's statement as an example. She indicated she is in a financial downward trajectory, which she continues to repeat, and then reinforce with this analogy that she can't even save a dollar per month. Keep in mind, when I questioned her on that statement, you, meaning you can't save a dollar a month, it actually was a lie. Um, but because she has that perception that a dollar wouldn't matter, it is absolute truth for her. Well, I'm going to show you how much it does matter. Remember the reticular activating system I mentioned at the start of the show? Well, her repeating the statement becomes the filter by which her brain views the world. And what most people don't know, unless of course you're a regular listener to own your truth with Laura T, is that our brain has two jobs to answer our questions and prove us right. I repeat this in so many episodes and I'm gonna repeat it again here. Your brain has two jobs to answer your questions and prove you right. So every time she makes the statement that she's in a financial downward trajectory, her subconscious mind is triggered to go, oh, wait a second, let me see how I can prove that's true. And she supports that by saying, I can't even afford a dollar per month. Her brain then searches its history and looks for all the ways to validate that. So, you know, it could be, I have too much credit card debt. Oh, my monthly expenses are too high and I'm stuck. I had kids getting ready to go to college. If I wasn't out of a job so long, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, the list in self-torture is endless. And this is all because of the language she's choosing to use. The other thing we aren't taught growing up 
is that our brains don't know the difference between what is real and what is imaginary. That's why the more we repeat something, the stronger the connection, the more proof we find regardless of whether our belief is factual or not. And let's go back to my client's truth. She can save $1 per month. She's choosing not to. And that's okay, but that's different than I can't afford to save a dollar per month. So how do you change it? For my client, I actually suggested she put a dollar a week in a jar. You know, given the state of our economy, it doesn't seem like 52 bucks a year will buy much. But I will tell you, it will have a dramatic impact on mindset. It will shift from this idea of lack, I don't even have a dollar a month, to moving toward abundance because I'm seeing a dollar a week go in a jar. In addition, the visual benefit of seeing her money grow will be a subconscious reminder to disprove her previous statement. So what we want to do is break the previous connection she made with proof, visual proof. And it will subconsciously cause her brain to think, what else can I do to make my money grow? And actually, this is one of the other recommendations that I would make is to as to be conscious as she's putting the money in the jar and say, what else can I do to make my money grow? Now, she's not looking for an answer in the moment. The goal is to get her brain thinking of all the different answers. And I promise you, if you try this at home, it works. Your brain will come up with answers and you won't even realize it's happening because you start to change the filter and you start to see different options. She will start to see different ways to make more money in lots of different areas in her life. This is the power of language. Words literally have the ability to change everything and anything. You may have heard the cliche, I am, are the two most powerful words in the English language. Well, I'm going to show you, my next, next example is going to show you how it's more than a cliche. It's true because when you say I am, it triggers your brain to pay attention. It like It's like a pattern interrupt and your brain's like, oh wait, what am I? And it's really curious and wants to see, what are you going to say? And remember, because your brain has two jobs to answer your questions and prove you right, when you say I am, it forces your brain to start to look for whatever follows those two words. You want to be really careful about the words that follow I am. So I'll give you an, another example. I was working with a student who had trouble reading. And during a session, he said, you know, I'm an idiot. And, you know, kids say this, adults say it. And you kind of like, oh, brush it off. And, oh, that's not true, honey. And that doesn't have that doesn't have the impact to change the thinking. And what comes after I am cannot be nonchalant, cannot be careless language. So I said to the client, um, and, and he, he was saying, I'm an idiot because he can't read and other, and he said, you know, the other kids in my class are smarter than me. And I said, really, do you know the definition of idiot? And he said, no. So I made him look it up. Well, Webster's Dictionary defines idiot as uh, a fool or stupid person. And then the antiquated definition is a mentally handicapped person. So in reading this, I said, is it true you are an idiot? And he said, well, you know, no, not according to this definition. And I said, okay. And here's where I want to start to break down his beliefs. 
you had said is you said you can't read at all and all the other kids are smarter than you is it true that you can't read and he said um well you know i can't read like the other kids i go but wait a second you said i can't read is that true well no i can read some things okay so is it true that all the other kids in the class are smarter than you and he's like well no some kids are smarter than me I go, okay, so then what connection does reading have with how smart you are? And he said, what most kids would say is, well, smart kids can read. I said, really? Is that true? And he said, well, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what we're told. I said, well, let's look at this. Do you know a guy named Richard Branson? And, you know, I think he was like eight or nine at the time. And he's like, well, no. And I said, okay. He's a very rich and famous man, and I'm going to ask you to go and Google him later. Um, he owns airlines and hotels, and he's had multiple su successful businesses. Do you think someone who is rich and famous and owns airlines and hotels and has successful businesses would be someone who'd be smart? And so, of course, this young man said, well, yeah, of course. I said, well, do you know he has trouble reading till this day? He still has trouble reading. And for those of you who don't know, many people do, is Richard Branson um, has dyslexia. And so... When we start to really pay attention to those words that come after I am, and we pay careful attention to how other people are using their words, especially our children, and we start to break it down, we can see that a change in language can change our perspective and our future. So I said to this student, I said, okay, so then what is the truth about your reading? And, you know, he kind of thought for a minute. He said, okay, well, I can read, but I'm behind. I said, okay, so what could you say about your reading that is true for you and moves you toward what you want? And I always recommend when I'm working with clients that you start off with, I am. And so he said, I am practicing my reading so I get stronger and stronger every day. What a difference to go from I'm an idiot because I can't read which again wasn't true, to I am practicing my reading so I get stronger and stronger every day. It's not, the goal is not to change your language to something that you don't believe, right? Something that's like, oh, I'm an amazing reader. Well, if you're not going to believe that, that will actually trigger your subconscious mind to reinforce your true belief. So you don't want to go there. But the goal is to be careful about our language so we think about what we're saying now and the impact it will have on our thinking and our lives later. Start to question your own language. How can you make it more powerful in a way that serves you, that gets you to your goal? I don't know a single person who would choose to be at war with a virus, who would choose to be in downward trajectory with their finances, or would choose to be stupid because they can't read but that's what they're choosing every day with their words. That's what you're choosing with your words. I hope this has you thinking differently about language and the power of your words. Let me know what you think. Did this spark anything for you? Do you have language that you use that holds you back? Or share the stuff that you use that helps you move forward. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Visit the Own Your Truth with Laura T. Facebook page. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking. I can't wait till next time. I'll hear you then. This is Own Your Truth with Laura T. Make it a great one.